Hello, everyone. I'm Asha Nayaswamy, and today it's my great pleasure to be with Badri Matlock, who lives at Ananda Village, and he's going to be talking to us about how he became a disciple, what he does at the village, and whatever else happens to come up that's of interest to us today. Nice to have you here. Thanks. Nice to be with you. Badri, you have responsibilities at Ananda Village now. What is your position? What are you doing there? So, in as much as we call out any position specifically around here, I serve in the community management, our village management office. So we work with numerous aspects of um, housing and membership, um, you know, having over 700 acres, extensive infrastructure and kind of special projects. So I kind of run the gamut in terms of um, the village as a whole, as a community, as well as helping to head up the internship program that we have for young folks who want to visit and participate in the summer program that we have where they can do farming and numerous aspects, again, of, of community living here and spiritual living. And you are married. You have two children, yes? Yes. I believe my wife was profiled yesterday in the very same hot seat. And <laughs> uh, she's well known in the Ananda community, having grown up here at the village for many years. And yes, two young children, Tulsi age six and Jay age four. Right. Tulsi's walking around now without front teeth, so she looks completely different than she used to look. That's right. She's got her milestone this week. <laughs> very, very impressive. So, Badri, how did you come onto the spiritual path? Your wife grew up at Ananda. What, what was your background? Yeah, well, I can't say that I grew up at Ananda or in any particular spiritual path. Um, what little exposure very little I had was, you know, through um, church holidays and, you know, friends. But what really struck me at around age 17, 16 was Hatha Yoga, so the physical yoga postures. And um, it was actually my mom who got me introduced to uh, yoga postures and actually gave me the book Autobiography of a Yogi. Oh, so that was, so it was, it was familial. It was passed down from one generation to the next. That's a, that's very good karma for you, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. And my mom's mom, too, definitely had a deep spiritual inclination and studied with Muktananda, another well-known mm -hmm. Swami. Um, but neither of them felt the you know compulsion to live an ashram life or to follow a path of discipleship in the same regard. But to have their support and respect and you know, even encouragement on the path has been really, really a blessing. Why did you like, were you an athlete? Why did you like Hatha Yoga? Why did it appeal to you? Yeah, I was an athlete and um, just, I think, an energetic person. I mean, I don't think I identified so much with being an athlete, although I did participate in a lot of athletics. Um, in some ways, I think the Hatha Yoga practice really helped me to tune in very quickly to meditation, to the spiritual aspects of yoga. And it offered a balance to just a purely physical approach to, you know, athletics or whatever the activity may be. It, it, I just felt it was a really balanced and um, deep practice that's really called to me. So how soon after you started Hatha did you start meditating? No, I'd say within six months. Um, autobiography of a yogi hit me about the same time and so those two practices just seemed congruous to me and um yeah I, it was shortly after that i enrolled in the self-realization fellowship 
lessons and learned to meditate and um, just really kicked into gear with, I should be doing this practice every day. So you're, you're just in your late teens, 17, 18, and you're already seriously practicing meditation? Yeah. Were you odd among your peers? I suppose, although it didn't really strike me all that way. You know, I was enthusiastic, and so I shared with people what I was into. And, um, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't a, a really common thing, but at the same time, it was well-known and accepted enough that it did, I don't think it struck people as particularly odd. Were you, let me, were you an unhappy person? Were you seeking meaning, or were you, was just everything going well and this was just made it better? Somewhere in between, I would say more that I was a happy person and always have been, you know, a happy and um, just very fortunate person with a good childhood and a good family by and large. All the circumstances of my life have been really beneficial. But um, yeah, I think that there was a sense that there's something more and I didn't know how much more until I found a spiritual path and a philosophy that really showed that to me and fulfilled that for me. Right. So you're already meditating in your late teens. Did you go on to college? Did you run to the Himalayas? What happened next? <laughs> yeah, I was actually in college at that time um, at age 18. And so I finished, I did those lessons for about two years and finished college, um, which wasn't really meaningful for me, but I wanted to see it through. And my passion increased, you know, it was kind of lukewarm for a while, although it was dedicated. Um, but after a year or two of practice, I, I really wanted to get serious with it. And I didn't really find a way to do that until I found Ananda. So how did Ananda come into your life? Through Facebook. Facebook uh, of my friend Nava, who's still in the IT department here, posted some advertisement or something. And um, I just said, would you look at this? And I had, in my enthusiasm, got my brother to read Autobiography of a Yogi and we were roommates, and so we, we would study and meditate and go to temples together and things. And I found out about Ananda, and I told him, we've got to go to this place. And mm -hmm. so we did. Mm -hmm. What year was that? That was 2009. And what, what context did you come? Did you show up for the intern program, or what did you do? Yeah, actually, the, um, you know, the version of the intern program that was happening at that time, I did. It was just a summer camp living with spirit for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And we did. We showed up totally green and naive for that um, with our my homemade own board that I had made and, uh, you know, just on fire for God and for master and totally in a wondrous, unbelievable awe of this place, um, having stumbled on something that I loved and felt so deeply but didn't know existed. To describe to me what Ananda Village felt like to you when you just like literally first walked on the property and saw it. I was stunned. I mean, I didn't know what to think. I, I remembered so distinctly, and I don't have so many memories like this, but we drove onto the property and we just could, I couldn't speak. It was a 105 degree July day, you know, like we can get here. And it was scorching hot and it was the middle of the day and I just could not speak i just we drove and i kept driving through the property i ended up driving off the property just mm -hmm. in my <laughs> stunned and so then I, I realized it and i turned around and i just drove some more and after maybe 20 minutes i ended up down at master's market and kind of uh, recovered uh, from that reeling experience of just 
a stunned awe because I think I, I just felt the vibration of the place and the sense of homecoming to a spiritual environment and, and home that, you know, like Babaji, when, you know, Lahiri came to the Himalayas and found his begging bowl, this was my little, my little homecoming, my blessing. That's interesting. Were you a disciple by then? Were you a Kriyaban already? You know, I was just poised to take Kriya within about a month from Self-Realization Fellowship. And I was surely a disciple, but I didn't really know it because SRF doesn't, um, I don't know, give that initiation in the same way. It comes more with Kriya. And so I didn't really have a sense or an example I felt of what it meant to be a disciple and how that what that process was. So I was actually fairly confused, even though I didn't really know it. <laughs> so you were fairly confused because you didn't know what to call yourself? I mean, was the confusion of your mind or of your heart is what I'm sort of asking. Um, I would say both, but as quickly as the confusion increased, it resolved itself. It was kind of just um, a karma that I think had to be worked out. And coming here, even after a few days, it really started to peak and then clear up because I got just more clarity on what it meant to really live the spiritual life and how I could go about that and what was some of the, in from, from the mental perspective and the mental clarity, what did that mean? What did that look like? And what were the steps that I wanted to follow in my life to, so what did that, to that mean, end? What did that mean and what did that look like? <laughs> what did you, what did you Yeah, look? well... In simple terms, I realized I wanted to live at Ananda Village in two days. I just said, why would I do anything else than this? Um, it was completely a natural revelation. Um, but I didn't know that. I Initially, in the first 24, 48 hours, again, after recovering from that awe, I thought, well, what's the difference between SRF and Ananda? And what's all this split and where you know who is master and where does he want me to be and and where should I take discipleship and Kriya initiation and how does this all pan out and it was a real turmoil in my mind but it that was of the mind but it resolved fairly quickly. So I see so the confusion became because SRF and Ananda were not considered to be on par and you'd come in through SRF and now you were meeting Ananda so that's where the confusion came from. I was probably the primary source of it, yes. I certainly understand that. I mean, m many people listening and those of you who don't, um, Self-Realization Fellowship was the first church of, the first church of, and Ananda was the second church of. And there's often a big dispute between the first church of and the second church of. So Bhadri got t tumbled around briefly in that. When did you meet Swami Kriyananda? Within that first week of being here, we developed a little notoriety of being the brothers from SRF. I see. Because, because as the internship program is now and in those days, it attracts many wonderful spiritual seekers. But when someone comes who, you know, is really on fire for God and for the spiritual path, um, it's sort of striking. It's like, oh, there's one. Of, where's one of our people? And they've been wandering about or far flung. And so in as much as it was a big homecoming for me, I think other people recognize that. Oh, and nice. I don't think Swami, you know, it was, a, again, a mental thing or he was trying to make us feel special. He just said to Ananta, I think, who was helping kind of counsel and oversee the program with us, he said, I'd like to meet the brothers from SRF. <laughs> uh -huh. 
So we had a special and very short satsang with Swami in his apartment. I'd say at the end of that first week, uh, my brother Kamran and I. Uh-huh. So what was your impression of Swami when you met him? I was also stunned and in a bit of awe. And also I felt that I just didn't know who this person was. And I knew that I didn't know who this person was. On, um, I don't know, a superficial, but also a deep level, I just felt that I couldn't really realize who this person was. And he was at a stage in his life, as you well know, Asha, that he um, he was withdrawing more. So he was less personal. He still had a very charming and warm presence, but there was much less of the personality for many, many years as I grew to learn over my time at Ananda, that was Swami Kriyananda. And there was more just this beaming, blissful, uh, beautiful presence. And so that's who I felt like I met more. And it was it was a little overwhelming and um, kind of stupefying for me. I love all this. You know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, when I look back on my beginning years, I feel like my heart was absolutely solidly clear. And there was like an iron cable that ran from my heart, just right straight in a line. My mind was like spaghetti. <laughs> it just was going every which way. It didn't know what was happening, but my soul knew what was happening. And that's what really mattered. Yeah. How long after that, those first two days when you made up your mind before you were full time here, there? You know, it took me um, about four months to move here, but I was visiting every month and in for my personal intents and purposes, the deed was already done. I just had to pack my bags and cut a few strings. And um, so, yeah, it took me a few months and it took my brother almost a year, but um, we both made the transition fairly quickly. Do you feel, did you ever regret it? Have you ever second thought, second guessed yourself? Never, ever, ever. Not for a moment. Never. Fantastic for you. Yeah. So how, how does being at Ananda, how is it different, you know, from who you were before, from the life you had before? You didn't have much life before, which is good, good karma, not to have yeah. done anything else. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think of it that way, too, that I didn't have much life in terms of years as an adult or, um, I don't know, of, of substance. I mean, I barely finished college. I wasn't really enthusiastic or on fire for anything else. Um, whatever wisps of, you know, thinking that maybe a relationship and a good job and a, a house and some kind of a, you know, traditional life was going to really be what did it for me. I just let that go. Um, I didn't, I don't, I didn't feel really strong desires for those things. But again, for me, it was a, it was a very natural transition. It was, this is completely what I want to be doing and what I should be doing. So let's just go do it. And it's almost like nothing happened before that. You know, <laughs> I love my mom and my childhood had some good things. And there's a number of things that happened, but really nothing. You know, I wasn't really born until I came here. <laughs> I understand. I often say I spent my childhood at Ananda Village. And then people sort of try to do the math and they can't really do that work. <laughs> but my, my, my life started. I just, I stood against the wall and waited for it to start. Yeah. How do you see... Um, let me try to think of your responsibility to master your responsibility to master's work. I mean, do you think in those terms, if, if you think like what your purpose in being in, in living is now, um, 
you understand the question? Yeah. I think so. And let me know if I don't. But uh -huh. I I don't often think in those terms. Not that they don't matter to me because they supremely matter to me. But um, I find that I get a bit lost or overwhelmed if I, if I think in too grand of terms. And that what I want to be is more of a humble disciple. I want to meditate every day. I want to serve. I want to really love God and orient um, my life in that direction. And then if I can be of service and, you know, tune into my guru more and more deeply and, and do some meaningful work and all that, great. But it's, it's not that it's secondary. It's just that it's too, it's too big for me. It's the overarching. And I, I am an active person and I tend to live more in the, I try to live more in the moment in the day to day with my children, with my job, with my life in such a way that, um, I don't know, just orients me more and more to that overarching goal. Right. How do you think you've changed or deepened since you first walked onto the property of Ananda until this point? How is, how is the spiritual life molded you? Yeah, it's, I, I feel it's a great question and one of those difficult ones to answer because um, it's hard to see how you yourself change. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier to see, look how I haven't changed. And <laughs> have I really changed? But there's no question in my mind that my spiritual life is deeper and I've grown. Um, I, I think that I've developed probably devotion more than anything. You know, a spiritual love for God and and for life from that center that um, I don't know, just feeds me. And I think that's as a disciple, I could say maybe I've changed in this way or improved in that way. But that is a question that I think is quantified for me more in that overarching scope of how am I growing towards the full realization? Um, and I don't know, but I feel that there's deep growth in my life. And so the day-to-day -day satisfies me and fulfills me enough that I know I know there's forward progress um, in me and all around me, even if I can't quantify it necessarily. I understand that. I know you've been very active doing chanting, um, you and your your Ramesha and others. Yeah. How has chanting, what role has has music and chanting played in your spiritual life? Yeah, it's a good question. Chanting is and music has been hugely um, powerful as a spiritual practice for me, and just as a um, an experience. I I have done a lot of chanting, and it's ebbed and flowed for me for different reasons over the years. But I had no musical background or really experience or inclination that I was very aware of before Ananda. But when I found Ananda. I did, I'm by no means any kind of virtuoso, but I said, I got to learn to chant quickly. I, I got to tune into this music. And as a result, um, and I've done that over the years many times, I've literally had spiritual experiences that I've never had in meditation or other things. Mm -hmm. And so I feel that it's, um, again, back to that devotion and opening the heart, it's probably the single greatest thing that has helped me to feel not so much, oh, I'm growing spiritually, but this is real. This is a tangible experience of God and of higher consciousness. This is what I'm trying to uh, manifest in my life. And I can tap right into it through chanting and through music.
You know, many people, many people feel that it's necessary that there's a conflict between true spiritual life and raising children and being married. And know Ananda's trying to set a different example. You you started in SRF where there's much more emphasis on monasticism and being a young unmarried man that must have crossed your mind. Do, do you feel any uh, uh, any conflicting poles between the responsibilities you have, the personal responsibilities you have in your devotion to God? Not really. I mean, again, on the overarching level, not so much. You know, day to day, it's challenging. There's no question to have a deeply committed and try to have a focused spiritual life and to have children and everything that comes with being a householder. But ultimately, no, personally, I haven't felt it to be at odds or or conflict. In part, I think, because it's really uh, a karma for me that I am a family person and um, a father and you know, really had that karma to have children. It's something that I did always feel deeply, even if not consciously. Um, so, no, it hasn't been a source of much conflict for me. Challenging at times, yes, but that could be just as true as a monastic in other ways. Of course. What kind of challenges, what, what are the challenges that you face on a regular basis there? <laughs> well, my sodden is tanked. <laughs> right? <laughs> Frankly, I had a pretty solid focused sadhana for the first five years at Ananda. In the last five years, it's taken a major hit. But, um, you know, that's okay. I've grown to accept and appreciate and work with that. I am I feel I can say it with little ego that I'm very proud that I have never let it go. I've never neglected my sadhana. It's been awful. It's been challenging. It's been cut short it's been shredded but i've never let it go and um it's definitely ebbed and flowed again I've, it's it's gotten better and you know it's it's cyclical but I, i've also grown to appreciate it's just a, a phase you know as the kids get older yeah that's very very good you're fortunate in that your children are very good natured and yeah and no doubt you have refined kids they don't well, so far, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of hidden depths in there that we never know when they're going to come out again. Indeed. You had the opportunity to meet Swami Kriyananda, which not every one of your tribe has. You came young enough to meet him. Does yeah. he play a central role in your spiritual life? Is he just part of the Ananda uh, experience, or is he, is he more particular in your life? No, I would, I would say it's very central to me. Um, I've grown to appreciate, and I... I'm speaking very personally because I realized, especially in my generation, that people have to develop their own relationship. I mean, across generations, but right. like with this issue with respect to Swami Kriyananda, who is he? Who was he? Who's a new person who's sincere showing up? How I'm supposed to tune into that? So I, I realized that I am in a bit of a unique in-between category, um, but I found in my experience of it, Ananda that um, Swami Kriyananda was not really a person so much as he was and is this consciousness that um, it, so much of Ananda and that my spiritual life that I've grown to appreciate and, and work with so deeply, it came through that channel. And so I found that it really serves me in my, in my quest and my commitment to tune 
into that channel, just as I tune into my guru, um, Yogananda, as an instrument for Kriya Yoga for this specific path of self-realization. I tune into Swami Kriyananda as a, a channel for subtler and deeper levels of that same same commitment. How how would you describe how you tune into Swamiji? My experience knowing him so long is so different. I'm always very interested to hear how others work with this from a different perspective. Yeah, um, through his writings and his music primarily, um, through his videos, you know, I mean, these are just the practical ways, but I find them to be really powerful. I mean, if I were to just say singularly, his music, bar none, is... Um, the most tangible way that I can just feel him and connect with him, just like I can chant and connect to God um, on a deep level very quickly. But at other times, yeah, through videos and through his numerous writings, I just feel that I'm able to tune in on deeper levels, not to Swami Kriyananda as a person, but to that channel that he has been for me, for God and for this the spirit of this path. Why don't you speak a little bit more about the music? Do you have favorite songs? Do you have songs that you've turned to? Have you had experiences with particular pieces of music? I have had the latter. I don't have particularly favorite songs, although I could definitely pick a few out. Um, I sing them to my kids every single night at bed. And I, again, going back to my early experience of Ananda, the very first, it was probably my second visit at that time, my first time at Spiritual Renewal Week in August of 2009, I heard a piece of music, and I don't really remember what it was, actually specifically, but I heard some of Swami Kriyananda's music performed live, and it just sent waves of bliss up my spine. And I had no idea what that was or, you know, why it was doing that or anything. I just, it struck me on that level. And I haven't had that deep of an experience often, but gradations of that. And um, again, cycling forward to having children and having my sadhana be challenged, one way that I found to work with that was to pick up music more. And chanting on the harmonium was too loud when my babies were sleeping, <laughs> when I had new, new children. And so I, I learned guitar. Mm -hmm. And I learned to play a little bit of Swami Kriyananda's music on the guitar. So I just got the chords and I, I still am fairly beginner at it. But I quickly learned, hey, I can play and sing this music. And I don't have to be particularly good at it. Um, evidenced by, again, in just the first few months of learning some chords and learning to sing his music. I remember, and I do remember this piece was the song Shawl of Gold. Um, playing it rather poorly but singing it you know with the devotion and with the spirit of it and learning to play it just practicing it sitting on my bed again I had a really deep spiritual experience of bliss in my spine and it was not something I expected or was particularly trying to elucidate so um yeah I just have felt that it wasn't a personal thing with Swami Kriyananda that let me tune into him and his music but it just came to me as a blessing through that channel. And then many times over the years through his concerts and through choir, both singing in and listening to, and um, just in the simplest ways, I've, I've found it to be a very powerful tool. 
Do you find that your children respond to the vibration of the music? Yes, I certainly do. I, I've experienced that children are very um, open to and experiential when it comes to music in general. And I don't frankly know what their experience is directly, but I think there's a definite impact there and blessing and it's a, it's a major part of our lives. Uh-huh. And they'll be growing up completely in this, I mean, they'll be growing up surrounded by this vibration. It'll just be who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully like your wife, they'll feel that it's their own rather than feeling the need to rebel against it later. I have no doubt they will, whatever that looks like, you know, I don't pretend to know, but the more I think about it, you know, my daughter wakes up most mornings and she used to whine in bed, come get me, daddy, come get me. So I trained her to sing a song. I let her choose. So now she wakes up in the morning and I hear her singing, dare to be different in her little six-year-old voice. She'll sing for a while until I come in there and mountains that stand up so it's it's delightful and yeah they my my son sings om guru om guru om guru and he's just running around it's a mindless thing but he's arabs they are they're absorbed in the, the power and we, we sing home is a green hill night after night after night and they'll have nothing else that's fantastic yeah you know, swamiji says a music um not only reflects consciousness it creates it so here are these little children and they're just in their subconscious selves and what's being their subconscious mind is being filled. You must feel greatly privileged to be able to raise children that way. It's a tremendous blessing. I can't think of honestly any lifestyle, any place in, in the universe that I would rather be with my children. Very good. Well, you have very good karma, Badri, listening to your story. And I, Indeed. I, I know that you appreciate that. Yeah. All of us to be disciples of a great master, it's very good karma, but it, it's very um it's very gratifying to see you recognizing and building on it. It's very, very, very good. Yeah, well it's mutually gratifying to have it reflected back and just shared and reinforced, you know, time and again. Right. So thank you. Well, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing so openly and freely. Likewise, thank you for your time, Asha. God bless you. Bless you as well.